0: Welcome captives and captive friends to episode 10 of the Global Captive Podcast, supported by legacy specialists R&Q and hosted by me, Richard Kutcher. For the latest updates and movements of the Global Captive Podcast, please do follow our LinkedIn page and do not forget to visit and subscribe to the mailing list at our website, globalcaptivepodcast.com. It is a change of scenery from Fenchurch Street this week as we record from a swelteringly hot Zurich where I have been meeting with many players in the Swiss captive and reinsurance markets. Many of those interviews will feature in future episodes of the Global Captive podcast but I'm delighted to say our guest co-host for today is none other than the good doctor himself Dr Paul Verman, Head of Captive Services at Zurich Insurance. Paul, welcome to the
1: pod. Richard, many thanks to be here and many thanks for the opportunity to share some exciting topics with you. And I'm interested to follow to the next question, which might come along. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Well, Will, before we get to that, we'll also hear from uh, Daniele Zucchi, Managing Director of the Switzerland domiciled captive Sigurd Ruck, owned by Sipem, an Italian multinational oil and gas industry contractor, and also from one of Paul's colleagues, Marcel Dubac, head of the Zurich House. Paul, we, you and I, we've spoken... Very regularly, probably too regularly, uh, and exchanged lots of ideas over the last five years now, but for the benefit of my listeners, can you just outline your your primary role at Zurich?
1: Well, this is not so easy because my role certainly is very broad, but essentially I'm in charge of bringing together the best of Zurich's expertise and experience to our captive customers in a holistic manner means known life and life propositions. This means as well to support the so-called end-to-end process, including, of course, the delivery of the important fronting programs. This means to support a captive startup as well, and to optimize existing captive programs, and in some cases to facilitate exit strategies of our captive customers, which could end up in so-called commutations or novations. Hence, more or less, I oversee the pre-deal phase, the deal phase and the post-deal phase across the regions where I'm responsible for. These are Europe, EPEC and LATAM.
0: So, obviously, heavily involved in the full captive process here at Zurich, and so I'd be intrigued just to know, Paul, how you became involved, you know, you're a famous name in the captive market, I think number three in the captive review, Power 50, um, how did you become involved with captives, and can you describe that, that Zurich journey with captives during that time?
1: Uh, Richie, well... 30 years ago, 30 years ago, I started my Zurich captive journey straight after finishing my PhD at the University of Freiburg in Switzerland. And in my PhD time, I was analyzing the use and the benefits of so-called offshore companies for Swiss multinationals, mostly, mostly PLC companies. One of the company types which I researched at that time were captive insurance and reinsurance companies. And during that research, I was in a discussion with Zurich, who showed interest at that time in developing the proposition. This was more or less my introduction to the captive market, which I started here in Zurich and happy Switzerland. <laughs> so uh, that's a really, it's a really in,
0: intriguing way to get involved in captives with obviously through the um, academic roots. So I, I didn't know that about you before, Paul. So that, that's really fascinating. I thought really you just made up this doctor title, but apparently it does actually mean something. There's a PhD behind it. Um, so that was 30 years ago and you're still involved in captives today. So what is it about the captive market that you, you're so fascinated by?
1: What it is, it is certainly a variety of uh, tasks around captives which fascinates me. It's underwriting, it's claims, it's financing, it's reinsurance, it's risk management and risk engineering, it's legal and compliance, it's marketing and sales, and finally, of course, the global reach. Working together with a lot of experts, internally, externally, and a broad range of risk management philosophies. This fascinates me, really.
0: So talking about fascinating captives, our captive owner interview, in this episode is with Daniele Zucchi. I believe you probably know Danielli very well. Paul, we enjoyed a good lunch with him yesterday. Uh, Danielli is managing director of the Saipem captive here in Switzerland, Sigard Ruck. Daniele started by providing some information on the lines written by their reinsurance captive.
2: So Saipem uses uh, Sigurd Ruck for different line of business, uh, so namely property and casualty, employee benefits, financial lines uh, and uh, let's say on opportunistic basis also construction risks, uh, taking in consideration the sector in which SIPEM is. So
0: obviously quite a large multi-line captive. How has the captive evolved over the, over the years?
2: So uh, the captive has been f- uh, founded in 2008 uh, and um, we started putting into a captive traditional property and casualty risks. Uh, which we were extremely uh, comfortable with at the time. Slowly over the years, we started to add, to add uh, into the captive uh, also the employee benefits. And um, let's say during these 10 years of history of Sigurd, uh, of life uh, of Sigurd, we started to add also financial lines, and here, namely, a DNO policy, which is rather unusual for captive situations and uh, as I said on a opportunistic basis this uh, construction risks or construction lines when it comes so
0: obviously the fact that the captive has grown over over the 10 years and you added new lines and some quite different lines as well must demonstrate that the parent company SIPEN sees the value and the justification of the captive. So how do you ensure that the captive is being utilised effectively to to, to communicate that that value that it brings?
2: The captive has always always got the um, endorsement of top management, uh, even group CEO. Of course, it sits under the responsibility of group CFO. And um, regularly in the past, uh, let's say, we presented uh, our results to the top management uh, almost every year. But of course, being the captive uh, embedded into the organization of the insurance department and ultimately reporting to the group CFO, uh, of course, the captive uh, is uh, in a daily contact with the organization. So, And uh, I mean, the insurance aspects of the group are treated at central uh, level in, uh, in our corporate in Milan. Because of this, of course, the captive uh, is always, let's say, playing a role in every, uh, almost every, let's say, placement uh, uh, of the group uh, and, let's say, also as well as uh, into the claims management uh, when it comes to, let's say, um, difficult or complicated or borderline claims.
0: So looking at the Swiss captive market more holistically outside of uh, Sigurd uh, Ruck, you work directly for the captive. And it seems to me quite common for Swiss captives to have employees that work directly for the captive and and, and, and oversee operations in the jurisdiction, which is a lot rarer in most other jurisdictions, uh, particularly uh, most other European, Luxembourg, you see quite a bit of it in Malta, some of the large third party captives have underwriting teams and, and management teams on the ground. Why do you think that there is, it is quite common for Swiss captives to have Employees and underwriting teams and people ever seen daily operations.
2: Sure. Well, one reason sits, uh, I would say in the legislation. So in Swiss legislation, so it's prescribed that uh, uh, the man or the person responsible for uh, the management of the captive should be a Swiss resident, um, not anymore a Swiss national, but at least a Swiss uh, a Swiss resident. So uh, because of this. Uh, I believe that large corporations like ours uh, like the idea to put uh, let's say their own men into the into um, let's say the country and uh, uh, more and more because uh, Switzerland is a sophisticated domic- domicile which attract actually sophisticated captives uh, I personally believe and this is possibly our case uh, that um, uh, having internally the competencies uh, for uh, the management of such kind of company it's beneficial let's say because uh, we have let's say direct relationship with our colleagues uh, Mm -hmm. at central level also at local level so as well as let's say probably the aspect of the language facilitate communications so uh, there might be a number of reasons probably applicable to us but i guess that uh, in the end uh, are the same reason that would be possibly shared by other captives in Switzerland.
0: And I presume, though, that although you've got your own team here in Switzerland, you do still make use of other service providers like many other captives, would you use to outsource certain services, I presume, to, to the market?
2: Absolutely, yes. Of course, let's say, uh, just to give you an idea of the size, we, uh, we, with myself, we employed eight people wow. in the capital management. Uh, but of course, uh, we don't do everything 100% internal. So internal, we do, of course, accounting, we do the underwriting risk, the claims management. Uh, but for example, we don't do, let's say, all the actuarial business or the actuarial work. For this, actually, we outsource uh, to professionals uh, this job.
0: Great. Right. And then uh, Switzerland is Solvency II equivalent, but the Swiss Solvency Test, which is the regulatory regime for insurance, was actually brought in a couple of years before Solvency II. So the Swiss insurance market, including captives, had a bit of a head start uh, on the rest of Europe in terms of Solvency II. How would you assess the transition uh, for captives in Switzerland, and how would you kind of rate or appraise uh, the Swiss Solvency Test in general?
2: Well you're right so Swiss surfacing test actually entered into force uh, uh, slightly before solvency 2 uh, which gave let's say to Swiss captives a bit more time to get used to let's say to the or let's say or to the managers of Swiss captives to to get used to the new let's say framework european framework well mentioning our experience uh, we at the time we had uh, let's say a customized model for the uh, solvency calculation, which was very close already to what then came into force. So the transition for us was not that, uh, let's say, significant or didn't require specific, let's say, efforts. The idea of the supervisor in Switzerland was anyway to define a standard model for the insurance and insurance market, as well as a simplified model for uh, reinsurance captives which we use. And uh, the idea was also to as much as possible uh, the companies would use to um t- or would need to use this uh, th- um, a standard model rather than to go to a customized model. So the the supervisor wanted actually to somehow allow me the term get rid of uh, all the customized model because of course uh, it took an amount of time for them to check then every report. So with the standard model, of course, the life is rather easier for them. Yes, yeah, so
0: it's a unique selling point, I think, for Switzerland within Solvency 2 and, and the countries that are Solvency 2 or Solventy equivalent. Switzerland has, has done well to manage to achieve, to have a, a separate model for captives, because obviously, Luxembourg, Malta, Ireland, uh, they haven't achieved that. Uh so it's I I feel like it's a halfway house between what Bermuda achieved, which was actually to carve out completely the captive classes from its solvent to equivalence regime. So you mentioned before that uh Switzerland is home to sophisticated captive owners and that's certainly true but there's only a well i would say a modest number of captives in switzerland i think 24 was the number at the end of 2018 is there a reason for that and how do you rate the local environment for captives? obviously you must be quite happy because you've been here for 10 years
2: well the number of 24 it's probably when you consider only the captives that are uh, licensed as an insurance captive by the supervisor. If you look, let's say, to a bit of a broader picture, maybe you find other cap companies that would be categorized as captives in yeah. other jurisdictions. Um, so the number might go up, not that much. I mean, probably would go up to another ten mm, elements, but not that, not that much, in fact. So. I, I always say that Switzerland is uh, a good domicile for sophisticated captives because it's a sophisticated domicile. and by that I mean as a very stable well, Switzerland is a, a, a long history for stability from political side, currency side, is a financial recognized international financial hub is an international recognized reinsurance hub. So if you need to get in, let's say, in contact with with any insurance, reinsurance, everyone has a branch or a subsidiary here. So it's a very convenient, uh, let's say, domicile, very, uh, as a very stable legislation, a very clear legislation on captives and as a supervisor that has a good understanding of the captive business. So for this, let's say, for these um, numbers of, let's say, reason, uh, I consider uh, Switzerland as uh, a good domicile for, anyway, sophisticated captives, because we are all, all aware that Switzerland is possibly not the cheapest as domicile.
0: And then just lastly, I believe you're... President of CIRCA, which is the Swiss Insurance and Reinsurance Captive Association, representing, obviously, uh, the captives domiciled here in, in Switzerland. Uh, so how, how
2: active is CIRCA and uh, what role does it play generally? So CIRCA has been funded six years ago. And the main purpose of, uh, of this association is actually to um, maintain a frank and open relationship with uh, the supervisor, so with FINMA. Uh, which, uh, let's say, has been uh, successful in doing uh, doing this for a number of years, uh, considering that the supervisor was quite open as well into having, let's say, a sparring partner or at least a voice uh, from uh, from the captive industry. Of course, we have been quite active in the times where the so finma had to review and reissue circular documentation we contributed in our let's say what for what we could uh, in giving suggestion. not all of them were taken on board of course but at least let's say we could have uh, let's say our voice uh, uh, somehow out there in in the i would say in the last two years uh, we are rather quiet uh, as association uh, we are also thinking if would be the case to wind it down because uh, as i said change a bit now the approach uh, they close a bit up uh, um, they are not that keen anymore on let's say uh, meeting and discussing and so on and as well as uh, let's say um, there is not much new let's say, regulation or legislation coming on. So that's why, let's say, in the last couple of years, I'd said we are rather having an easy life.
0: The Global Captive Podcast is supported by RnQ, the award-winning provider of exit solutions for legacy liabilities and companies in runoff. RNQ can provide a wide range of solutions and has A-rated paper across the United States and Europe. LPTs, novations, business transfers and acquisition are all frequently used and tailored to the seller's requirement, whether in runoff or fully active but seeking greater efficiency. If you have legacy, you should talk to RNQ. Welcome back to episode 10 of the Global Captive Podcast. To subscribe and ensure every episode is downloaded straight to your phone, search for us on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. Paul, I, in my role at Airmic, and certainly a little bit broader than that, we're definitely starting to hear some speculation that we might be entering a, quote, harsh market, not a hard market, but a harsh market, with regards to changing terms in some lines of insurance. I'm not going to ask you about that directly, but how do you think that the utilization of captives might change or might aid multinational customers in a, in a changing environment?
1: Right, this is a, a difficult question, Richard. Overall, I'd like to say we can differentiate between two types of companies overall, those without captives and those with captives. Those companies without captives have certainly more or less to follow to the terms and conditions of the insurance market cycle. Companies with captives can quickly respond to the dynamics of the insurance market. We know that every captive is different, and there has been a huge development and evolution in the use of captives in the last decades. However, captive owners, when the market is changing unexpectedly, or when they expect that the market might change, they can take more or less retentions in their captive. They can approach more or less or in a more active or passive manner, the reinsurance and alternative markets. And they have an opportunity, thanks to the captive tool, to manage new risks, which might be a little bit unusual for the traditional insurance and reinsurance world.
0: I presume as well it, it would help the, and I'm putting you on the spot here, Paul, but I presume as well having a captive brick with that flexibility means that if the captive was previously playing at one certain layer, but then they've had a problem in a different layer of their reinsurance terms and the captive can switch, it can play a role in different in different layers as and when the market dictates the captive is most needed there.
1: Absol- absolutely. Absolutely, Richard. Yes. I can not more concur. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, okay. Just lastly on, on this on this area, though, um, in terms of international programs, uh, do you believe owning a captive provides an advantage to customers uh, when they are designing those large international programs, and why? We we
1: we have experience more or less that uh, captives a fantastic opportunity to optimize insurance and reinsurance structures. Of course, they provides the benefit for large captive owners and for medium-sized captive owners to bring together two worlds into one range of captives, the life and the non-life world. In other words, captives can help their captive owners to optimize the purchase power which they run based on the size of the group. Secondly, of course, they can benefit from arbitrage opportunities in the different markets. Arbitrage is, in a way, pricing arbitrage, coverage arbitrage, and capacity arbitrage. We have experienced as well that captives get used as well, in addition to the optimizing of the risk management of the captive owner, to strengthen the core business of the captive owner itself. So in other words, to develop tailor-made solutions to make it more easier to sell products which are core for the company. And of course, they can help to develop new solutions for new risks.
0: Great. Our next interview is with Marcel Dubac, head of the Zurich Clearinghouse, which helps to serve the carrier's captive customers. Marcel began by explaining the concept of the Zurich Clearinghouse.
3: So the Zurich Clearinghouse concept started in 2001, whereas prior to 2001, each producing company within Zurich uh, produced captive business on their own legal entity, meaning they instructed our RC or fronting companies straight out of their legal entity telling them what kind of local policies they have to issue for the local insured, whereas those fronting companies reinsured back to the producing company original legal entity. So meaning if, for example, Germany was producing a business, all the fronting companies retroceded back to Zurich, Germany. With the n- introduction of the clearinghouse, we changed that process, meaning that still Germany would have instructed the fronting companies about the local policies, whereas the risk of the local policy would not have been re-injured back to Germany anymore. Rather, it would have been uh, re-injured back afterwards then to Zurich, Switzerland, so the legal entity of the clearinghouse.
0: So then how does the clearinghouse work uh, in conjunction and and its relationship with the captive programs that, that Zurich works with?
3: So as soon as we have pooled the risk at the end of Switzerland, we would retrocede it afterwards to the respective captive. Our interaction with the captive is not really direct. What we really do is we provide a service to the original producing country, in that case Germany. So we would handle all the sessions, but all the interactions with the customer itself will still happen between the producing entity, which would be in that case Germany and the captive itself. So we provide them the information and all the documents, whereas Zurich Germany would reach out afterwards to the captive and would make them aware of any balances which are due to Zurich or due to the captive. As soon as then Germany would inform us what we would have to settle with the captive, we would do so.
0: So obviously the relationship isn't isn't direct with the captive from the clearinghouse, but considering the Zurich approach, the Zurich clearinghouse approach, are there any direct benefits, do you think, to, to the captive insurers?
3: I think there are a lot of benefits for the captive uh, insurers or reinsurers actually, as, it, as we speak about the reinsurance captives. So first of all, we use the balance sheet of 6 Switzerland, which is the group's balance sheet of Zurich. So it's the biggest balance sheet we have, or one of the biggest balance sheets we have. So therefore Capitalization is never a problem. If a reinsurer has certain risks, depending on where they are domiciled, that they need to have A, a rate, the company, or a certain rating in order to do reinsurance, Switzerland is quite liberal with such requirements. So we can actually reinsure business to any reinsurer. At the same time, as well, the reinsurer does not need to be uh, capitalized or needs to have a certain rating in order to reinsure something from a balance sheet based in Switzerland. So our um, our government or, and our regulator is, is quite liberal with reinsurance requirements so this is a big benefit especially when we speak about business produced by any other legal entity such as brazil mexico or whatever and the original risk would still be pre clearing house and go back to those legal entities and would have to be reinsured afterwards then from those legal entities in mexico brazil or argentina towards the captive, which might be domiciled in currency, whatever, so they might have then some problems to acquire those reinsurance licenses, for example, for Mexico or for Brazil. So therefore, that's a big advantage um, by the clearinghouse concept that we take the risk into Switzerland and from Switzerland, we it towards the captives.
0: Great. And then just lastly, obviously, Marcel, your day-to-day job is the managing and you know, operating in the clearinghouse. How, how, is, how is the clearinghouse
3: organized and, and managed operationally? So basically, we have two to three teams. Um, There are two main teams who do the accounting. So we have a so-called assumed team. So whatever comes into the clearinghouse, that's mainly what is issued by our fronting companies, uh, what kind of policies they issue towards the local insurers. As soon as those policies are issued, uh, one part of my team is responsible to get those sessions afterwards from the various legal entities and the various um, fronting companies around the globe into Switzerland. Then the second main team will be the team who settles the balances afterwards from Switzerland towards the captives. So this team is responsible as soon as we have balances towards the captive that those get settled and as I said before we are not directly in contact with the captive rather we are in ca- in contact with the original producing country, and they actually hold the relationship towards the captive. There is another main team, uh, we call them the construct setup. So they maintain the reinsurance setups in our reinsurance systems in order to find out, okay, is a, po- a policy or a position reinsured towards the captive or not. So these are the main three teams which are required in order to establish this clearinghouse concept.
0: Paul, in previous episodes of the podcast, we have talked a lot about aggregate reinsurance strategies and that there may be some more momentum uh, behind this concept again. Of course, we know that it's not a new concept. It's been around for a long time, but we seem to see some more momentum here. How do you see captive reinsurance strategies evolving at this time?
1: Well, when we look a little bit back, so let us say two decades probably, We have experienced that captives have been used at that time more or less to optimize primary structures in a way that captive owners were interested at that time to reduce the frequency of small claims or medium-sized claims thanks to a captive that could make this happen. Then we have developed, say, a a phase or we have seen, seen more or less a phase where captive owners have become more mature. And based on our research in our captive customer portfolio, we have experienced that currently large European captive owners seed around 70 to 80 percent of the gross written premiums of insurance programs back to the captive. This has led to two different strategies. One strategy of captive owners, which we have experienced, is to take everything on net protected by individual line of business stop loss agreements or by cross-cross coverages. Coverages for one year or for multi-years. Secondly, we see corporates which use the strengtheners of the large insurance fronters with a hopefully A-rated uh, quality in order to use a captive for gross sessions. This means they would like to get access in a substantial manner to the reinsurance market in order to open Retrocession panels behind the captive and invite a lot of insurance and reinsurance companies to participate on higher, higher, more or less layers in order to optimize then the entire risk management piece. There's an observation which we have seen in the last four or five years. We have seen in addition a strategy on a holistic base that captive owners show interest to explore whether employee benefit programs would fit in their captive and how they could take benefit of the underwriting experience in their programs in getting more transparency on information from a local base because more or a lot of a lot of eb programs are localized very often local policies which needs to get formed up in programs and then the captive owner can take benefit by seeding them back in the captive and have a holistic approach implemented
0: great well you mentioned the employee benefits there uh Paul when we have discussed this on a few other episodes recently and of course it's it's a huge topic it has been a huge topic for over five years now but just on that topic of kind of the new lines or, or new areas being added to captives what kind of inquiries um are you seeing uh, into the zurich portfolio uh, recently regarding the kinds of new lines that captive owners might want to be added to their captive
1: let me let me try to structure this in a, in a following manner. So f- firstly, traditionally, we have seen that captive owners are interested to optimize the traditional line of business. They have started very often, or in the past, with property, marine, liability. Then they were thinking about how to expand the policy in using their captive by, for instance, uh, adding line of businesses from the financial lines, as well as uh, strengthen the core business, as I mentioned already, in order to develop tailor-made programs. And of course, in our today's time, a lot of captive owners are exploring how can they manage new risks and one word in this regard is certainly cyber.
0: Of course, and I'm, I'm really hoping to uh, do a whole episode on cyber very soon with some of the uh, cyber experts in the London market and other of the, of the captive managers who have been promoting cyber as a, as a captive line. Um, I should say thank you to all of my guests this week, Daniele Zucchi of Sigurd Rock, Marcel Dubac of Zurich, and of course, you, Dr. Paul Verman. Thank you very much, Richard. See you next time, captives.